Everything's falling into place. I'm right where I should be. We grow out of this world in exactly the same way that the apples grow on the apple tree. The tides of life are led me here. What's the meaning of the universe? What's the meaning of a flea? It's just there. That's it. And your own meaning is that you're there. And that's why I'm not scared. The destiny of the species is unfolding with the logic of a dream. I know the answer will appear. Please. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. I am very excited to share today's conversation with you. Today, we are talking with Derek Kuhn, a brilliant individual who is so much fun to talk to. Every time we get on the phone together, we end up going down the rabbit hole on a wide range of topics. And so it was my pleasure to record this conversation uh, to share with you. So Derek is a successful proprietor of a digital marketing company, and he approaches his clients and the world from a very human perspective, uh, understanding that we as people make decisions and act from a place that we are unconscious of and that we have in us this primal mind that is largely running the show, whether we realize it or not. And so he's actually built a business on some of these philosophical and uh, neurological principles. And as a result, every time I've talked to him, it usually starts with something in the realm of business, but always gets into these philosophical conversations. So today we are asking the question, can we improve ourselves? Can we, through our own thoughts and actions, operate on a higher level than what we typically do day to day? And this is a topic I've been very interested in because one of the things that I hope to uncomplicate through these podcasts is the notion that we need fixing or that there's a book out there somewhere that's going to give you this answer that's going to uh, give you the, the keys to the kingdom change the whole game and I have felt for a long time that that mentality creates a culture of people that are always questing but never home and so in this conversation I was excited to challenge Derek on whether or not we can or even need to fix or improve ourselves and as you are about to hear the conversation got interesting quick and I was surprised at the new ideas, new perspectives, and a deeper sense of our capabilities, how we are wired, and the opportunities in front of us to maybe not fix ourselves, but accept ourselves and to grow in ways we never thought possible. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation with Derek Kuhn. Enjoy. Yeah, you know what I need to learn also? I need to learn how to use emojis. I read this study where it's like 40% of emojis 
people, the receivers, people who use them, like millennials, I think the study was on, I don't have the same impression as the intent when people oh, send really? like 40%. Huh. Which is which is crazy because in my you know you we talk about like primal mind and how to influence the unconscious right and you would think images I mean we know imagery is more impactful than words um, for grabbing attention for moving people for everything so you would think emojis would work um, better than words but uh, I thought that was pretty funny if they're forty percent off that means I'm I have no idea if I'm. <laughs> Well, well, I'm sure there's like a deviation from like if it's a smiley face or a frowny face, like there's probably a pretty good read. But you send someone like the cucumber with a rainstorm and people are probably <laughs> like. Here's here's another funny thing that may explain. I just I just thought of this. My daughter was like, Dad, she's like drumming on the table. She's like, what song is this? This is spot on. And I, I have no idea. And uh, they, there was another study where people would like hum a tune and they were sure that it was very clear and the receivers had no idea. So I think it's the context in the, the mind of the sender it is there's like bias somehow where because it makes sense to you. And then they're like, I have no idea. So it's probably the same thing, like the context um, in the mind of the sender is stripped out. And then then you enter the context of the receiver and who knows what that madness is so it therefore therefore the 40 percent mismatch it's not it's not the emoji it's the lack of shared context because it's a digital communication only that's, that's probably wild what, right it's like yeah. um we're, we're living in our own heads and we're projecting that experience onto everything while people are just completely experiencing their own projections right yeah exactly and <laughs> it's a miracle anything can get communicated between <laughs> two different it's like two different universes and you're trying to send a message from one universe to the other but the rules the laws of physics are completely different yeah <laughs> you know i mean this is kind of nerdy but i i remember a poem that i wrote like a long time ago about like seven billion monkeys all dancing under the same moon so it's like seven billion different moons but right. <laughs> forget exactly how that went but yeah it's kind of crazy that there are as many universes as there are people alive right and somehow they all share this same sandbox but it's totally different and you know this is a great huh. intro to our conversation because this is why i love talking to you because um, we met really i would say as professionals but our conversations are always this kind of content like yeah. digging into philosophy or psychology um, yeah did you just air quote professionals by the way because like yeah i would <laughs> i would too <laughs> so i, I bet yeah, most no, I, I bet you know, spend too much time at work right so why have this segregated, like very dry experience for the majority of our waking conscious life? And um, to me, there it is. It is impossible to to make myself suffer for that amount of time when there is complete optionality there to to not do that. And in fact, to use it as a place to grow, think, learn, test your philosophies and principles, hone them, share them with others. I mean. That's and that's what I, you know. Not everyone thinks that way. In fact, I would say the majority wish for it, but don't really have any mechanism to do it. But you found a way, and that's where <laughs> that's where I like it. We can any professional topic almost can transform to a deeper, more meaningful, more interesting um, conversation and effort, right? So yeah, and, and you know, um, 
I think you're right that some people have found better balancing act to kind of bring that playfulness into their day to day. But I bet you if you really put the question to people, 90% or more would air quote professional for what they do. <laughs> and, I, and I'm always shocked, you know, in, in the business that I was just in, we would go to a lot of conferences and you'd, you know, everyone would be dressed up suit and ties sometimes. And you just get into that like stuffy uh, hotel lobby kind of small talk bullshit. And then yeah. when, you know, the thing's over and everyone goes out to the bars, it's like, holy shit, this person I was talking to a couple hours ago and was this like hard ass, you know, straight lace suit is now wearing a tool t-shirt and, you know, throwing <sighs> back my ties. And, you know, I think everybody kind of has that facade of yeah. having their shit together at right. work and then they all go home and fall apart. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's a, it's, you know, one of my goals, everyone's got this veneer and some are very thick and some are very thin, but my goal is always to see how I can like slip past it, chip it away to get to the real person. Because then, I mean, even from a business only perspective, you're far more productive. Like we're burning some kind of energy to maintain that veneer and it's lowering our, our happiness at our, our, our productivity, our critical thinking, all of the things that matter in all areas of life, right? And so that veneer, it's like self-selected and because everyone's doing it, it, you know, it just gets worse. It gets more compounded. And then at the end of the day, um, you know, you have to rip it off. So not the way I would prefer to, to move through life for sure. Where do you think it comes from? Do you think it's like school or like your parents are always telling you to behave a certain way? Like, why are we conditioned to act like robots? Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a really good question. I, I would say it's a little bit like overall, <clears throat> excuse me, overall culture. <clears throat> Whoa, that's not COVID. So, um, <laughs> but um, I think, you know, when we're born, we are uh, incredibly malleable, right? That's what separates humans from the rest of the animal kingdom. We come out half-baked. And so, um, you know, people have a nurture or nature argument. It's really both. Like we come out and then we get formed constantly all the way until we're 21 and especially until puberty hits. And then there's another round. But in those early stages, we are, are, we literally form, our nervous system builds around the inputs that it gets. So things that perpetuate, like you, when you have momentum and you have this social influence, these things get transferred in a, in a not in a like, uh, I learned behavior way, in a way like rewiring neuroplasticity is a term. You literally wire in at a deep level into the nervous system, right? When I think of the mind, I think it's the brain, but it's also the entire nervous system at a, at a deep level that takes an imprint. And then we proceed from there. Starts in the classroom, starts with the first professional uh, experiences, and because everyone's doing it, uh, that's why humans can do amazing things like build civilizations, right? They share a narrative, they share a story, but it isn't just a belief in it. It's like it's baked into the system, baked into our fundamentals. So I think that it, it goes that way because it's been that way. Um, and, you know, probably at some point in our evolution and history, it was necessary to go from tribal oriented 15 people who you interact with for most of your life, occasionally seeing other groups, but not often to people everywhere, constant communication and, you know, coordinated efforts at levels the world's never seen. That's why humanity did some amazing stuff. But so to, to back to your question about the veneer, I think it is a perpetuated um, culture ish kind of a meme almost where it, 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 it like replicates. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we've outgrown it. 
and it's got a lot of stuff that's really challenging with it. But um, but the, but the same mechanism could be used positively, in my opinion. Right? That might be a bold hope vision, but I do think it's time, um, and hopefully, some of this as we reemerge into you know the world. Um, hopefully the, the things are shook up, right? The good thing about stress and um, things coming at you that are hard, it is a chance as an adult to have neuroplasticity occur again. Mm-hmm. So there is a massive opportunity here to rewire some fundamentals, like like get rid of the veneers. Yeah, you know? I love that. And I love that idea of challenge, forcing people out of the comfort zone, which is where growth happens. Yeah. And you can look at that in a person's life, like COVID might be this sort of punctuation mark in how our culture has been. You can also look at a long-term scale of humans in general, like you were just talking about, you know, moving out of the forests into the tribal uh, ways of organizing civilization. But you, you mentioned the primal mind, and I know we'll talk a bit more about your business and how you actually apply some of these ideas, but that, that concept that we have in our brains, more primitive brain structures that actually account for a lot of our behavior, um, you know, our fear response, fight or flight, our hungers, our sexual drive. You know, there's a lizard brain that's buried under this cortex that has evolved. And it seems like there was a period, and we're still in it, where humans were wanting to elevate themselves out of the um, just tiger food and into some kind of higher plane. And we might all put on this cortex during the day to go and act a professional way. And then we go home and we turn back into the lizard. But I I guess it is an interesting thing to think about both of those being essentially human. And we don't want to all just be reptiles running around fear and loathing, uh, you know, fornicating and destroying each other. So there is like some benefit to having the culture, but we've seen pretty clearly how, that desire to deny human nature, which has come through, you know, everything from culture to religion to, uh, I mean, I think those are some of the big ones, but uh, yeah. So maybe talk a little bit about, you run a successful company and I'm always uh, really intrigued by how you guys internalize a lot of this human psychology into the act of marketing Maybe let's just start with that kind of perspective of when you're talking to someone, when you're trying to appeal to their, uh, you know, primal mind, you know, where, where are you acting differently than how I would just talk to you normally? Like where, where are those lines to kind of cut into that primal mind? Right. So, um, so the, the primal mind, well, how about I, I'll define like the primal mind a little bit and then we can, we can tackle that. Um, Primal mind is a term that describes the operating system as a human based on our nervous system. We don't think like we think we do, and we don't decide like we decided we do. We have a, we have a narrative that um, we're, we're you know, relatively rational, doing things that make sense, and that, that most decisions are made by the, the thinking conscious mind, which is just 100% false. The environment... Um, including people who are in it, are constantly affecting our nervous system. And our nervous system guides how we think, but it's all below conscious awareness. 
So, um, you know, depending on the lighting in the room, who's in the room, if it's messy, is it not like all those things are constantly pushing on um, this this operating system and it's running constantly. And, and it, it it's sort of like um, if you have like your computer in safe mode, right? Um, you can only do a couple things, right? So there are modes that the environment is impacting this primal mind. This primal mind sets what apps we can use and can't use. If you're in a highly stressed out state because of your environment, you got access to two apps and none of them are empathy. None of them are <laughs> empathy, right? So we, the, the key is people, when they think about marketing, they want to like talk forever, explain why their stuff is so great. None of this stuff um, has any impact unless we get this operating system that we have that is below conscious awareness to engage with that stuff. So the, you know, um, and, and this operating system doesn't understand words. It, it is, it is our primitive. That's where it's the primal part. It is how prior to language, um, which is like, I think 50,000 years ago, we had millions of years of evolution. Right. But if we look at this, the, the fundamental structure of how we have evolved, um, uh, doesn't include language. And so we try to like, uh, talk, 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 and everyone pains over like taglines and all of this stuff. When, when that is at the very tail end of what it takes in marketing, um, you know, visuals, you know, we, we have a, uh, we're much more driven by fear than by desire for gain two and a half times. So, so, mm. you know, to, to not lose a hundred bucks, you'll do two and a half times as much work, effort, whatever, versus to gain that same amount. So like that's, that's just because that's, um, part of how we successfully evolved and became the dominant, uh, life form on the planet, which it was great. Right. But, but because because we're not aware of these drivers, people are usually uh, like the veneer we just talked about. So there are key principles that get the primal mind engaged or just directed. And right, this can be used terribly, right? I mean, um, social media, I'm not gonna like knock it. It's a very powerful tool, but that is, that is something that is built to directly to the primal mind. So that's where, you know, people have like an almost an OCD thing where you like if someone picks up their phone, and checks, checks it, someone else is going to do it. If you're sitting across the table, it's like that's a completely unconscious mechanism. Right. So these and, and then once you get, you know, you got the dopamine hits when people are sharing stuff, it's getting liked when they see other people. Um, so social media is a great example of how to how to utilize the primal mind to get what they want, which is engagement, time on the platform, clicks to their advertisers. So um, understanding that the primal mind is the primary decision maker or opportunity creator to get attention, that's, that's how we do it. And you know, an, a more specific example is show, don't tell. Imagery, visuals, absolutely is how the primal mind thinks. I mean, that's the, the largest part of our brain in any one capacity. Um, and it's across multiple regions in the brain, but that is dedicated to visual processing. I think it's 30%. The largest single aggregate of brain power is to visuals, hmm. uh, but not words, right? So, you know, you need to present an image that is graspable, is movable, and addresses all the primal minds built in 
um, mechanisms, and then you can start talking to the thinker mind because the stage is set. It's sort of like a bouncer, an analogy I would use back in the days when I used to go to the bars a lot, no more. Uh, but there's a bouncer there and, um, you know, you try if you can't rush the bouncer, you can't get by him. You might for a second, but then you're going to get tossed out. The goal is if the primal mind is the bouncer to this club, you want to get ushered in uh, on the VIP list, right? That's the goal. And how to do that is not with words, but with imagery and, and you know, five other principles that we use that um, engage and then get you ushered in on the VIP list. So did that, did that answer it? Yeah, totally. And you know, it's funny because you think about this stuff every day and I, I always find it humorous that if you're a dentist, you're always looking at people's teeth. If you're a shoe salesman, you're always looking at people's shoes. If you're a porn star, you're always, well, anyway, like you're always yeah. noticing these things in the real world. So when you, you know, get advertisement coming at you or you're on a social media platform, do you recognize these things happening? Do you say like, oh, touche, I see what you did there. Or are you just yeah. as much a you know, a victim or a, uh, yeah, a sheep going through the ringer. So, I mean, that is a great question. So like uh, Daniel Kahneman, who sort of put this on the map and got a Nobel uh, prize or laureate, uh, he basically went asked that question, right? He did, he had a huge book, thinking fast, thinking slow, where he nailed every single bias. It was like 32 or some ridiculous amount. And he was asked like, does this help you navigate the world? And he's like, no. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but here, here is, um, here's my, I don't, I'm not as um, uh, bleak as that. <clears throat> I, I think that the goal is <clears throat> when you have the conscious mind in control, I think of it more like you have a, a German shepherd, right? And if you, you need to train it, not tell it every single thing to do. Like, so it needs to, it needs to be trained. And then on its own, it will start to move um, and be, be like by your side and work on your behalf. So uh, instead of like trying to control everything it does, cause that can't work. It's like an 800 pound gorilla against a little kid. Like there's no way in a matchup, at least for any amount of time you can win. So what you need to do is start to train that gorilla or German shepherd to, to, um, so you, it's systems based. So if I like for social media, I know I will get hooked in and I know that much. So I will, there's, there's several ways to handle it. My current, this is a little crazy, but my current way is I only engage with stuff that is positive and uplifting and you can train the social media platforms versus every time trying to wrestle with it. I'm trying to, and I don't know if this will work, um, but I'm trying to use the platform itself to deliver content to me in a way that is uplifting, moves me towards my goals, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I, I will spot it occasionally, but that doesn't fix anything at all. So what I try to do is not put the burden on the thinking mind, right? The conscious mind, but to train, use that energy to train the unconscious mind or build systems that feed it the way I want it to be fed. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 And it's, it's really funny how humans are able to analyze and recognize these things without escaping them. I like that idea, though, of going with the system rather than trying to fight it or break it, uh, try and teach it, right? So maybe yeah. by changing your behavior, it's a it's a feedback loop that yep. gives you more of what you actually want. Um, but you have to have that first step, I guess, of being aware right. and starting that process. I mean, in a, in a sense, it's like 
I always think it's funny that humans right now on this planet, there's probably millions of people uh, that are employed by companies that are trying to create artificial intelligence, right? And every right. one of them has seen Terminator. Nice. Every one of them has, you know, seen humans' best guess of what happens if we have a truly intelligent uh, artificial intelligence that surpasses ours, yet we're like feverishly at work trying to bring it to fruition. Same kind of thing, like we all know these detriments to, um, you know, our humanity in that because we are built on these basic operators, they can be manipulated and everyone's going to work every day, like kind of ratcheting that up to the point where, I don't know where it ends. We're all mind controlled by something yeah, that we well, created. Yeah, it's a hive mind. I mean, it's here, right? <laughs> and we're, we're building another one. So who knows how those two things are going to mix? Yeah, I, I think of it like this. Or like if, we can, if, if you can set up systems in the environment that's constantly um, manipulating and, and uh, moving around the primal mind. So it, things in the environment um, that don't require effort, right? So the inbound stuff is along the way you want. Uh, and then... It, the other angle is internally build, train that German shepherd to be as effective in, in dynamic situations mm -hmm. and to match that environment. So there are two things. And the easier one is actually to change the environment, right? Because that, you know, and again, if you have a, a, a job that you hate and people who you hate at it, that, that's not always true. You, you're now down to just how you can train the German shepherd reframe the situation and, and build that. And the benefit there is you can do anything if you get it done, right? So if you can train the German shepherd, now that can be hmm. more meaningful relationship with your kids, your wife, um, your friends, right? Your health, your fitness. Um, so, you know, sugar is the best example. So talk about primal mind, sugar and salt, right? We evolved that primal mind loves that. And it's going to find every, like, <laughs> you, you know, I saw this one study that basically said every diet of every type fails in the long run, every single motherfucking one. So um, that is horrible news. But that just is a perfectly explains that you can't wrestle with this uh, German shepherd. Let's say it's an 800 pound German shepherd. It's gigantic. Your only hope and it, it wants to please it's it's working on dated uh, instructions. So it wants to please you. It wants your survival. You're happy to reproduce all of these things. It doesn't want you to be fat and unhealthy, but it doesn't know any better. Hmm. And so you have um, lots of people with lots of money pushing it around. Social media platforms, food is the easiest example. I mean, it's ridiculous, man. I've tried every diet in the, in the world. And I, the only way you have to design for weight loss, design your entire life, your environment, what's in your fridge, all of those things are what work not wrestling with this uh, overpowered monster, you know, untrained German shepherd, you're going to lose. You might win like in specific moments, but over time, there's no way. Are there ways to train that shepherd? I mean, what are some of the things that have helped you not, you know, put the shepherd in a pen, but use it to your advantage? Right. Yeah. People will like lock it in the basement you know, padlock it, then lock the door to it and bury the entire house, right? Like that's not going to work. So for me, I think the biggest tool that I have used is it's really twofold. So you have to figure out like where, what you want the German shepherd to do, right? Um, and 
the the mistake once you have that is to try to like start eating perfectly the next day or start like being um, outgoing or whatever it is, fill in the blank. Um, so there's two ways to do it. If we think about it like a German shepherd, have you ever heard of the term shaping? So it, when you, this is literally how you train dogs. If they kind of do the behavior you want, mm. you immediately reward them. You don't look for the perfect rollover play dead. You look for the approximation. Mm. And you, so, and the, the key is, so small, like in the direction of the way you want to be, but small and immediate reward. Um, the thing that, you know, people talk about gratitude um, and that's a really good thing. There's a lot of system meditation, mindfulness, but I think like self-rewarding is, should be the next big thing. And incentives, people think incentives, they mix up incentives and rewards. Uh, an incentive is like, oh, you sell this much in a quarter and then you get a bonus. That, that works on the motivation of the individual, but how that doesn't train the German shepherd at mm. all. Right. So um, it more like gives you the the extra effort to try to wrestle the German shepherd every day. But that's going to lose over time. So um, you uh, the approximation of the new behavior that is small. People make that bar way too high and then immediate self reward or celebrating. Uh, and the reason that works is this thing does want to please but it, we don't give it any feedback mechanism. So you have to give yourself a shot of dopamine immediately as close to the new behavior even if it's a tiny fraction of what you want to be eventually and then that's how you build momentum so you tr if you think of it like a dog right it doesn't understand words you have to be overly um emphatic when the mm -hmm. smallest behaviors occur and then you build on that over time what are those actual yeah. rewards? Are you carrying around like human treats in your pocket or yeah, like, right. self-praise or what's this? That is a great question, right? You can, and this has been studied, release dopamine on your subjective experience and decision to do so. We don't need human treats, but you could like, so here's the thing that could work, right? You have a like attaboy uh, postcard and you, you know, the second you do it, or in the middle of a meeting, when you say something clever, you jump up and high five yourself. I'm, I mean, I'm not even kidding, right? That would be a little, <laughs> that could be catastrophic, you know, but, but, um, but we can control it. And it's interesting. So the way I have done it <clears throat> is that I watched when I naturally, how I naturally self-reward because everyone is different here, but like I made a light <clears throat> I was late, of course. And I chose to go make a left, but it was one of those red left arrows. And I was like, but, and like, I thought for a second, I wasn't going to get it because I was too late and it was going to go green and I have to wait through a full cycle, but I did it. And then I went, yes, we, we do celebrate on outcomes that are usually too few um, and too hard of a bar. But when we do celebrate that, there's, there's something that happens in the nervous system. And if you can identify that, take that mechanism and then you self-reward Hmm. on shaping your own new behaviors. I mean, we do have that power. Um, and and it, it can be artificial and feels weird. But if you watch yourself again with that self-awareness, you can start to feel, and I have different ones. I'll be like, fuck yeah, with a fist. Like that's a real good one. Um, but but it, you can't be faked. So, you, so small behaviors in the direction that you want to be like, and then immediacy of reward when you do anything even close. So that's, that's the way to train. That's one of the ways to train the German Shepherd. 
does it work in the inverse if you are reacting negatively as your predominant response? Do you think it it actually is like the punishment to the reward? Like it's uh, scolding the dog, it's the shame response. Because I'm just thinking yeah. like I'm in the middle of a bathroom remodel and I've had a few fuck yeah moments, but I've had a lot more recently just like, oh God, I just want to crawl under the bed and die. Like I wonder yeah. how that how that actually affects your behaviors. Um, so again, so negative, and this is, that's great. I mean, it's way easier to anchor in negative because we have that two and a half times, um, drive. So, so the celebratory positive is much weaker than the power of a negative to anchor behaviors and uh, that kind of stuff. Um, that's a good one. And that's so it's tougher. That is, and yes, it does work in reverse. And in fact, that's how most of our nervous system is wired, hmm. right? Um, you know, so, you know, in, in your case of the, it, it, so here, here's something you could try, right? Next time you're at that frustration point, do the smallest thing back in the direction you want and then go, fuck yeah, right? <laughs> but just because you pick the hammer back up, not for anything like, oh, get that piece done, right? And uh, there is an exercise I, I heard of the other day. It's fun. You pick a, like a, a section in your house that needs to be cleaned, right? Um, it, like not much, but and you, you go for two to three minutes and you every single piece of thing you move to clean, you just yell out yes or whatever your thing is and try <laughs> differently and just go crazy, go full on crazy and then check in with yourself and see how you feel. Interesting. Uh, because and like that, like, it's so silly, right? But we're, we're, we only give ourselves rewards when we do ridiculous things and we beat the hell out of ourselves most of the time. And that's actually the opposite of how you train the German shepherd the way you want. You basically, have you ever seen a dog that's been abused? That's us, right? What do they look like? You're sad, scared of every little thing. We let the environment and other forces do it. We can get taken back, right? Yeah. You know, that's so funny. Um, the other day we were doing a puzzle with our neighbors and we were doing something similar where every time we got a piece, it was like, booyah, or just like, you know, the, I mean, it's such a small action, but right. having, you know, a, a 1500 piece puzzle and getting to say, booyah, like 1500 times, like we just had a great night. We all felt great. So I love that idea of, you know, picking that's up the perfect, house and actually man. just like kind of that giddy celebration. But, you know, you just said something that, that reminds me of another topic we've talked about. You, you just mentioned how we are kind of these beat down puppy dogs and we have this environment that's, you know, it feels like it's coming at us hot and fast. Things are constantly changing. A lot of challenges in the last calendar year even. Yeah. But one of the things that we've talked about is how, um, you know, those types of impacts are actually what drives us all forward. And so as, as much as we can cut out the negative and accentuate the positive, sometimes it's that shock or that, you know, little bit of poison, as you've said, that actually moves us forward. So maybe on the other side of it, in a, in a larger context in our lives, how have you seen this concept of, um, you know, embracing or welcoming the, the uh, challenge as a, as a pivot point to actually move forward? Yeah, I mean that 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 this this concept has has saved my life numerous times, right? Um, so the idea is, 
you know, it's, it's called hormesis. Like in Greek, a little bit of poison is a, like gives you, that's, that's what the vaccine is, right? A little bit of poison promotes a, um, a, a more powerful response. That's what a workout is, right? Working out is, you know, either tearing muscle or, or, or stressing the cardiovascular systems a little bit beyond its comfort zone. And what happens? We grow. So the, the root concept hit me when I read the book Anti-Fragile, right? We talked about that a little bit where you have things in life that are fragile, you have things in life that are resilient, and you have things in life on the other end of the spectrum, anti-fragile. So uh, fragile is things that break from stress and disorder, things that are resilient in the middle um, bounce back. So like a rock is very resilient. You can take a beating mostly and it's fine. Uh, but it doesn't get stronger. And then you have at the other end things that benefit from stressors or disorder. Um, and like a workout is a great example of that, right? You, you stress the body and it comes back stronger. Um, and, you know, there's another book, The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday, which is the stoic version of, you know, what I like about the idea in that book is the obstacle is literally the way. So you you build, you pave the road to what you want by finding obstacles and then laying those down as paving stones. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the, the concept is reframing it. So you have, you know, without that perspective, problems are just things that drag you down from like chilling out and watching Netflix, right? That's that you, you have, uh, by leaning in, that's actually one of our values, leaning in to challenge and discomfort. Um, is the only way to grow. You know, what happens when a, ch a challenge hits us, especially from the outside, it, it triggers in the brain that signal to change. So neuroplasticity. So once we get past 21, it's very hard or it's, it, it, it takes very high stressors in order to trigger the brain to change because it, it's, um, it burns up a lot of energy. So the body's like, well, we figured this out now. We know how we're operating and only in big exceptions are we going to rewire. Well, the beautiful thing in an odd way about quarantine COVID and all the stresses, we have these, we have this elevated opportunity because the brain is in like, holy shit mode. And it is, it is um, but that can anchor negatively or positively. So that's where, you know, choosing the way, like the German shepherds on full alert, it's like, what the fuck is going on here, right? It's paying very close attention. Um, so the leaning into discomfort, once you have that frame, framework, it, it actually changes your biochemistry. They ran a bunch of experiments to this effect that if you look at a problem as the chance to grow, it's not like you're going to enjoy it, but you activate change in the direction that you want. The real key here is, our tendencies to kind of hide and dodge pain because that's how we evolved. However, it's not actually going to kill us right now. I mean, in the case of COVID, maybe some, but but mostly um, these stressors that we take in um, aren't going to kill us. And instead, they should be an opportunity to to like literally take it like a paving stone and drop it on your path towards the way you want, because there's something else called post-traumatic growth. Have you ever heard of that? Post-traumatic stress, the majority of people who go through trauma um, mm -hmm. are damaged, but there are a small percentage of people who actually grow and it, it's a documented effect where they find the biggest lift is they find more meaning and fulfillment in their life, but there's a, a host of other benefits. Um, and they do some very specific things. And the number one 
is journaling and thinking through how that trauma um, impacted them positively in a real way, not like just like sort of talking bullshit uh, throughout the rest of their life. Right. So, um, yeah, so that's that uh, because are we going to have more challenges in life? What do you think? Are there more coming even once everything goes back to quote unquote? Well, I guess the new normal. Right. Think we're going to run into problems. Unbelievable. The amount of problems facing humanity are at a, at um, levels that we have never seen because we are able to do things we've never seen. So um, leaning into those things, finding, thinking them about, like they're the way forward. How do we take them to our advantage and use that personally, but as well as to move, you know, companies, governments, uh, cultures forward. And how else could it be, right? I mean, if you look at human history, it's never been a happy story. So, um, you know, that brings me to a question for you. Is there a need or is there a benefit to actually pursuing, you know, self-change? Or is there even really a choice? Are we just, um, you know, not in a bad way, but we, we are part of this larger thing happening. Therefore it's not really an obligation to change ourselves uh, because it's all going to happen. You, you see where I'm going? I'm kind of curious. Yeah, it seems no, like you've, I, I, you've, no, you've I, kind of played both uh, sides of the line, which I think is necessary. Um, there's things that you do and there's also things that you just accept. So yeah, how right. do you internalize all of these pieces and what, what how does it actually um, so manifest. yeah, it, you know, is there any hope, right? So, <laughs> right, are we all just part of this collective that like we can sort of uh, bump around in our little space? But mostly, we're we're uh, we're in a raging river, and like we can maybe move over a foot or two, but the whole thing is going straight over, the, you know, Niagara Falls, right? <laughs> um, yeah, my mentor, um, uh, uh, he, his mentor was Buckminster Fuller, and he has the best. Uh, example that um, I think, you know, it's, it is a really good question. And here's, here's the example he said, like, listen, um, amazing things can be done by uh, a few people by one person. And and here's, here's the analogy he he used is uh, the trim tab. And I had no idea what a trim tab is, but it's on any giant boat, right there uh, on the rudder there's a very thin piece that attaches to the very back end of it and when you think about like these giant ocean um you know vessels going there's there's tons of water pressure you can't change you can't like there's no physical force that allows that to move so what the trim tab does is it it though it's very thin and small it flicks over in the direction that the rudder wants to turn and that gives enough space that allows the rudder to turn. And then that mm. turns the entire massive ocean liner, right? So the idea for me is like, what are the trim tab effects that I can do to the rest of the world? And it, you know, going back to starting small, right? All things start small. Every single great entity now did not start that way. So the question I challenged myself with is what are the daily practices? What are the new behaviors? 
what are the principles to me to me the the key the trim tab is what are the key principles you operate by because life is dynamic it's going to change but your principles should be able to be applied across multiple domains so what are the trim tab how do i be the trim tab for to to get this um experiment whatever this is humanity to, to try to you know make it a happier more positive experience so i i do think you can change and i i know you can have more impact than you intend that then you will reasonably believe but but it takes um it takes focus on what are the trim tab behaviors actions moves i can make um and trust the ripple effect so that's that's what i would say there is hope and um and the way to get the hope for me is to think carefully about what what are the small things that have the big impact and then let those build to you know who knows what <laughs> so. yeah that's a really cool analogy I, I also did not know what a trim tab was but i can visualize that um and it is really neat that there are actions that we could take that do have a huge impact on people or even a small impact like that was one yeah. of the things that I always really appreciated about, you know, the company that I helped build was just walking in and seeing the people that were there and the work that we were doing and how that affected the world. And just think about how these, you know, way back 10 years ago, there were these little ideas, these little moments, these little chance meetings that now had built to this actual imprint. And while it might just be a, a, a very small piece of the whole human strata you know that's my bubble that's my sphere and influencing that was enough to make me feel really fulfilled in ways that i i value so because it's funny i i kind of for a long time have grappled with this question because as a young person really seeking answers what do you do you you read books you have experiences you you go out on a limb you challenge yourself seek discomfort and then you kind of find this at least for me these clues that even if things seem completely fucked in a strange way it's all okay because it's what humans are it's what humans do you know we started off talking about uh, this primal mind and how people don't choose the way they think they do they don't think the way they think they do so we're already you know playing with a not a full deck of cards so part of me has to just like let that be and be really excited and happy about it Yet there's that other tendency to want to teach or want to, um, you know, do things that generate more dopamine hits, more happiness. Uh, and it's funny, I was listening to uh, an Alan Watts recording of which I have a large collection. And he was talking about Taoism and when uh, Confucianism was really the predominant mindset in China and Confucius really was about these codes of conduct and like how one should behave when Taoism started coming in, there were a lot of these kind of fictional accounts of the Taoist teachers talking to Confucius and just saying like the very fact that you're spending so much time talking about, you know, social responsibility and, you know, self-improvement is proof that it hasn't happened. <laughs> and it's actually the very thing that will get in the way of it happening. Because when people are out, you know, defining themselves as broken or needing to change, all the literature that they might end up reading is really going to try and convince them back to where they started to just smile more or, you know, be yeah. okay with it. So I don't know. Uh, I'm curious. You, that's a topic that I've really grappled with is just choosing in general. And right. so 
yeah, just as kind of um, something I'm interested to hear your opinion. How do we think yeah, we choose I mean, and how do we actually choose? Well, right. I mean, so it, it's we... interesting with Taoism, right? They have the um, uncarved uh, block, I think yeah. that it is, right? And so, you know, um, what is our natural state and why do we overcomplicate it just to get back to our natural state, right? And um, I, I think that that one is... Um, that's a tough one, right? Because I'm always about growing and pursuing and challenging, but then I'm like, okay, now I have to center myself. It, it, it can feel like you're focused on the wrong thing there very easily, right? Versus like, why not just trust what's within me to, to handle things and not get so obsessed with all these crazy growth things? Um, yeah, um, so, you know, and... <laughs> And then when, when it comes down to like decisions and choosing, um, that gets real interesting really fast because we, we will go all to all these outside sources to help us figure out what the next move is. Uh, when you, when, you know, at least for me, when I uh, center myself, right, I don't really like the word calm because it, it feels like, uh, um, like you are oh, just sort of letting life roll over you if you're calm, but centered to me is absolutely a very different space than if I'm frantic or fired up and all these other things. So how do I get centered um, first, right? It's, I think, I, I, I don't know, probably a dozen philosophies say this, but like we're like a, a glass of water with mud in it, right? Like it's swirling, like in, until you let the mud settle, right? The dirt settle, the clarity won't be there. Um, and, you know, so from a, from a, there is absolutely good evidence that in the right, like, you know, you have different brainwave states in the, in the right center, you, your brain functions differently in an alpha state versus a beta, which is sort of the frantic day-to-day -day checking emails and all this other bullshit. Um, so as like a decision matrix for me, it's always, a, it's an important thing and it doesn't take long to center, right? To center yourself. Um, that's how I personally decide um, if I'm centered and if it's important. And then the next step is like what emerges, you got to trust it and, and sort of go with it. Um, my concern there is the, well, we just talked about earlier is everything's pulling you and pushing you. So have you truly like uh, let that stuff go? Or if you're going with the flow, so to speak, are you just along for the ride and it's someone else's idea it's someone else's agenda that's carrying you forward so that's a tough one and i don't have that one even close to figured out but that's my method right now is to center first and then and then then think about it not just think about it frantically and going in circles and going down rabbit holes yeah it's interesting have you um so in your in your um time that you've taken i think the metaphor you use with me is like you were you've been in the river battling you decided to get out of the river and sit on the side of the river and just take a breath and see what's going on sort of let that mud in the glass mm -hmm. the dirt and glass settle for clarity um and that's getting out of the river right so now you can sort of see i don't want to call it the rat race but the chaos of what you had been caught up in you know for over a decade uh what what um what if anything right has emerged that you find interesting yeah, uh, a lot of good things that you just said there that I would agree with. That idea of getting clarity because things can settle a little bit. 
I very much value the time that I spent doing what I did because there's immense joy and satisfaction in caring deeply about something to the point that it's bigger than you and you'll do anything to see it happen. Like that's a, a rare feeling when we get to feel that much conviction about, about what we're doing on a daily basis. And getting out of the stream, which I'm still you know, in a stream, but just the perspective is a little bit different. And um, interacting with people like you and some of your clients and a whole bunch of other projects that I've just been kind of you know, sticking my uh, feelers into and kind of understanding the people and, and, and helping where I can. I, yeah, my, my general outlook is still the same. I'm just trying to find that place where I can put that much of myself into it and move the world in a direction that is exciting. And, and you know, this, this podcast and having you on it, you know, Uncomplication, that's one of these grounding things I keep coming back to because there is complication in everything, in every job, in every market, in every philosophy. And so trying to actually pick those arguments apart and have everything come back to that uncarved block, which it, it often does, is one of those things I'm really excited by. But I mean, the funny thing is, like you said, words only get us so far. So I would I would sum up my time as more a collection of experiences and these moments of, of fuck yeah, where I've been <laughs> on the mountaintop with my dog or I'm you know getting to see something that I never would have seen. You know, I'm spending a ton of time with my kids. And so it's not always a philosophy or a way of putting things into words that we're really after or need. Sometimes it is just having these moments and appreciating them silently and wordlessly huh. that makes everything else okay. Because it, it took it took everything else to get to that one moment with my daughter or that, you know, hike with my dog or this conversation yeah. with you. Right. Yeah. So it's like it's exactly what you said, like with Confucian you know, Confucianism, uh, right? Uh all this work to get back to the thing. <laughs> you just <laughs> stayed with the thing from the beginning. <laughs> uh you know boy it, it's um it's interesting though i so i heard so so you let things settle right you had a, a walkabout with your dog that was enlightening um you are reconnecting with experiences uh and 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 then also being open i don't know about seeking but uh being open to what's your trim tab because you still have that drive to change and a lot of stuff people do is just get in action to do stuff, right? To, to, you know, a perception of progress, not real progress, just perceiving it is a huge uh, boost to people's, you know, so they feel like they're, that's how people clean their desk when they have a big project to work on, right? It's, um, they feel like they're doing something and it, but it's preventing the big thing. Um, so uh, that is, that is um, super interesting. I am kind of excited. It's interesting too, when you said about like experiencing, I was noticing this last night, like you can shift between two modes, like sort of the, the hyperactive thinker and then uh, being aware of the situation you're in, which is usually really cool and interesting most of the time, but you don't, it's like a toggle. I was toggling back and forth in the joy between one version, which was not the default for me versus like the, 
okay, here we go. Do this, do that. Oh my God, we got to handle this. What do you think about that? Let's go learn something, right? That's my go-to is like, I want to learn. <laughs> Learning is great, but like not as a default, I feel like, right? So um, I literally had that experience last night when you were describing like reconnecting with your daughter or, or just connecting, right? Um, that, that to me, you know, is, is that the uncarved block that they're talking about? And, you know, how do we shift back to that state? Interesting. It's fun though. And I love that the world is made up of so many different people and that we are, we're an uncarved block that is being shaped constantly. Right. So that, you know, I, I have to credit you with some of these experiences because early on, uh, in our, in our conversations and things, you know, I, it led to some new discoveries, some new experiences, and those are now fundamentally a part of, you know, who I am and how I operate and presumably vice versa. So it's, it's kind yeah. of a cool thing that just by being open and willing to be challenged or surprised, whether we want to or not, we're always growing. Yeah. I mean, towards what? That's a different question. Does it, does it right. even need to be asked? Right. Question. Exactly. Right. Right. And, you know, let it emer be emergent versus forced. Like, right. That's my problem with goal setting. Everyone's like, I want to be a millionaire by this age, but uh, so boring, so terrible. And you could preclude something truly amazing that actually is meaningful to you if you let it be emergent. Right. So, yeah, you know, it's interesting because like picking a target to me is only good. I hate the word goal. Right. I like aspiration because I want it to be somewhat flexible. Right. Because if you, you, know, you put horse blinders on, you want to go make a hundred thousand money's easy because you can measure it like a hundred thousand dollars and you step over three million dollar opportunities because you have the horse blinders on because mm -hmm. you're obsessed with this one target that you're not even really sure connects with like why you're here and what's what what really will thrill you um, is a problem. But it gets you into motion so that the interactions can happen and the emergent growth can occur. So that's cool. Where? Where it'll be a surprise, but that's good. I mean, I think <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Forward. What keeps you up at night? What are, what are the things that you don't have a handle on? I'll tell you, like my struggle right now is there are things that feed my sort of uh, what thrills me and what I feel thrills others. And then there are things that are like that suck. Right. And like, right. So like checking email and all these other things I have found myself um, because I wasn't feeding one aspect of myself, I was really having to like grit and use a lot of willpower to drive through some tasks. And they, and then the, the more I did that, the more they sort of piled up and the more, the more I like had trouble engaging. And so what I am currently trying to figure out and it hit me last night, if I'm not feeding the core thing that I'm, you know, that uh, I'm drawn to, the other things that suck become impossible. And so what I had been really concerned about till I had this realization was, you know, why am I having trouble knocking out these tasks that suck? They do suck. Like in fairness to me, for me, they, I don't like any of them, like reading contracts and all this bullshit. Um, but uh, instead of trying to find ways to like, force myself to get through them. I am, um, I'm trying to feed that so that I can, I can hit it with more, um, energy now. I think that if, you know, 
energy as I think about it is the concept of like, what is the, what are the things in the environment or that you're moving towards that lift you up? Getting further from that, um, because I get caught up in a bunch of stuff, keeps me up at night because we, no one's getting out of here alive, right? And so are we going to be able to look back and say my time was well spent, but not in a forced like doer mindset? You know, am I, am I connecting with and doing the things that lift me up and the rest should take care of itself. But my worry is it's easy to get me caught into other loops and things like that that take me away. Right. Like, and like, I'm pretty hard on myself and I'm working on that, but like, I think I need to be a better parent. I need to be a better leader. There's all kinds of stuff I'm hammering on myself all the time. And then that like drives me into this loop of stuff that doesn't actually do any of those things. Right. But like it, it does stress me out and it's like an underlying um, challenge. And like, you don't want, I worry about this too. Like if I just did the things that thrilled me, is everything else going to fucking fall apart? Like, is that lack of self-discipline? Um, so wrestling with those questions a little along the lines of what you're talking about earlier, um, you know, are we just sort of doing the to do in the Confucius style approach or, um, or do I just, do I chuck the baby out with the bathwater with that one? I don't know. So that, that definitely keeps me up. I love it, man. We are we are very similar in in some regards. I remember in this stretch of time, um, you know, being unemployed. I couldn't get out of that uh, mindset of just go, go, go. And like every moment that passes is a moment that I want to use to like create something or feel like I've I've done something. And so wasting time is something that like it's really weird. I mean, I don't think it's a waste of time to do nothing. In fact, I love doing nothing, like going up in the woods and just sitting on a rock and watching the trees grow. Like that's, that to me is a very productive time well spent. That's very different from just like, you know, bouncing around the house, like trying to figure out like, what am I supposed to be doing right now? Like that to me is the the time wasting. And there was a day where I told my wife, she was leaving for work. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to play video games all day. Like, I can't remember the last time I just did that. And she's like, well, that's a step in the right direction. Huh. And it was just so funny to me because for me, you know, the, the right direction was like finding the next project, finding the next impact, you know, never sitting still. And it was just funny to have my wife who presumably would want me to like, you know, get back out there, earn money. And she was like huh. celebrating my ability to just like say, fuck it for a day and completely huh. waste that time. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. You know, she's smart. And, you know, and the other thing that triggers neuroplasticity that I forgot to mention, like stressors do, but so does play mm. in adults. Right. So, um, so playfulness uh, activates a lot of dopamine, which is can take you to the same place. And that's where like, if you've ever played sports ball, I'm not like a huge sports guy. So I <laughs> refer to all of them as sports ball, but like, um, if someone cracks a joke and you're down and you're beat and something like it's it, the, the playfulness kicks in a whole, like it puts that app, the app, different apps are now accessible in a state of play than are in a stressed out state. So um, being playful is actually oddly incredibly productive and good for you and opens all kinds of, like literally you can think differently if you're playful, like it's a, it's a neurochemical difference and that that is uh that's a hard fact and so you know how many business guys are like be serious veneer city right 
no, like playful actually is productive um, in terms of capacity to do great things. I love that. Amen. A hundred percent. I mean, I am, I am my fullest self when I'm playing and I feel like I'm an adult who plays a lot. And if we, like a whole day of video games, man, that sounds great. (laughs) But yeah, as far as sort of, you know, some concluding ideas here in a, in a sense, you can do the same thing, but your mindset can be different and it can have a completely different outcome and and a different effect on you. So if your day is serious, if your life is serious, if you're going towards goals and their success or failure, that is a completely different mindset. Might be a lot of the same activities, but a different mindset than my life is playful. I am having fun. I am interacting with other people. I am putting myself into the world to see what happens. And it's all a game. It's, a, it's all a dance. And, and, I, and I think it's rooted in our, in our physiology. It's rooted in our philosophy that we should all just be be kinder to ourselves, be more empathetic to our neighbors and get out there and play. Don't miss yeah. the sunshine. Yeah, playful and self-reward um, has a, a, and like that, you said it very well there. And the thing I would add is trust the compounding effect of that daily, like focus on the now, engage playfully, uh, don't be afraid of challenges uh, and, and things that you don't want coming at you. Um, stay playful, right? Um, and self-reward because that is playful in and of itself. Um, and then if you, if you trust that your best self or most elevated self will have a, a positive impact, just let that occur emergently over time. That's great. Yeah. I think I'm just going to model my dog. I think dogs have it all figured out. <laughs> They've got do. this huge cortex that we've grown over the top of something that's very simple. And we just need, we just need simple rewards and lots of play. Yeah. It's funny. I used to stare at my golden retriever when I was like 15, like right in the throes of puberty, which is an awful experience for anybody. But I used to stare (laughs) at my dog and be like, I wish I was you because you got it great, man. You're happy. You're chilling. You play. You're always excited at the littlest things, get pet all the time. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to do is like go to an alternate universe where it was like adventure time. I had to have those two fantasies totally. um, because like adventure is, is playful, right? In a way, like it, it has that same activation. So how do we frame everything as a great mm-hmm. adventure? Be playful. Like an adventure to me is also like you're going into the unknown. You have a sense of thrill about it. You're smiling. You're ready to joke um, and you're ready to have fun and engage with it, right? So, yeah, we have, I think one of our values, the exact wording is we take fun fucking seriously, (laughs) right? That is literally it. And so that, and that is because you got a hold of that because it's very easy, especially in the tasks that are mundane or not your natural orientation to lose that. So good stuff, man. You said that really well. Yeah, you too. And that's probably, you know, we're we're pushing up against time here. And I, I think that's a great note to end on. So I'm... Very grateful that I've met you, learned a lot from you, and that you took the time today to share your playful creativity. I know that, um, yeah, I I took a lot from this conversation. I'm sure all of our thousands and millions of listeners will as well. (laughs) Yeah, and I just got to say thank you uh, so much for having me on. And uh, you, your sort of transformational life timing 
uh, played a huge role for me in reactivating the things that um, feed me and uh, genuinely delight me. And I think you're a good human. And sometimes I worry that there's not enough people who share the philosophy, so it feels kind of lonely. Uh, but I, man, you're uh, you're a brother there, so um, I'm looking forward to where this adventure takes us. Totally, man. And these these are a lot of words we threw at each other, but I can't wait to be up in the hills with you. That's yeah, that's it. I'm down. I love it. Cool. All right, man. Well, I'll let you get back to your day. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks. Cheers. Thank you all so much for listening today. I sure enjoyed this conversation with Derek, and I hope you did as well. You know, I have taken to heart a lot of what he has shared about this primal mind that really drives us. And it's interesting to see our own actions flow from this source uh, when we realize that it's not always our thinking process that moves us forward. And so to borrow some of his insight today, instead of telling you to go and uh, subscribe to the podcast, leave a five-star review, I want you to envision yourself doing those actions. I want you to imagine uh, going to the iTunes store, finding Uncomplication, leaving a five-star review, uh, leaving a comment about how much you love the podcast, and sharing it with a few friends. It helps us uh, grow the community and helps bring more great content to you. So while you are visualizing and then acting on that, uh, I will bid you farewell. And until the next time, as always, cheers. Cheers.